Hello! We're back with another episode of Arena On Air. In the first half of the podcast, we sat down with Deputy Artistic Director Seema Sueco, who is also the director of The Heiress, and she talked a little bit about what the story is about, its place in 2019, and what we can expect from the production. Then we sat down with two of the actors in The Heiress, Laura C. Harris, who plays Catherine Sloper, and Jonathan David Martin, who plays Morris Townsend. They told us a little bit about playing these characters in this day and age from this classic play and what the rehearsal process has been like. We hope you enjoy this episode of Arena On Air and come and see The Heiress. Hi, everyone. My name is Seema Sueco. I serve as the Deputy Artistic Director here at Arena and uh, I'll be directing The Heiress uh, at Arena right now. And um, what is the role of a deputy artistic director? So there's several things I do. I uh, assist and drive the season planning process. I uh, direct at least one show per season. I oversee and um, nursemaid our commissioning uh, initiative, our power play commissioning initiative. Um, within my department is also casting, so every actor you see on stage. And literary is within my department, so that's doing the dramaturgical research for the shows, the talkbacks, and also facilitating artistic relationships that are connected to the shows with uh, experts in the community. Would you mind telling us a little bit about The Heiress? Sure. The Heiress is written by Ruth and Augustus Getz. It's adapted by a, from a novel by Henry James called Washington Square. It's set in 1850 New York City, and it's the story of Catherine Sloper, who is indeed an heiress. She has everything she could possibly want. Her father sends her to all the best schools, um, she has music lessons, elocution lessons, et cetera, et cetera. And the one thing she doesn't have, though, is affection, admiration, and love from her father. Uh, for when she was born, her mother died. And very secretly, her father has been harboring a, a quiet resentment towards her for that. And he sees her as very unclever, unpoised. He's been hoping someday she would blossom into what her mother was. Well, of course, uh, under that circumstance, it's very difficult to blossom at all. But into their lives comes a, a man named Morris Townsend, who is charming and charismatic and quite instantly falls in love with Catherine. The father becomes quite suspicious, wondering whether he just loves, loves her money or if indeed he loves her and um, sets forth with some traps to, to discover the truth. Ultimately, it's a story about Catherine reclaiming what's been stolen from her. And indeed, all of the characters in the play are reclaiming what they believe has been stolen from them. So the story um, at the center is a woman who does not seem to have a whole lot of agency over her, her life. And, and she, correct me if I'm wrong, but she tries to, to grasp some of that control over her life by choosing Morris as her, her potential partner and then comes against this tension with her father and with Morris. Um, and this story is set 
in the 1850s where that was very very common in uh in a woman's life to not have a lot of control over the decisions that go into what her life is going to be what it might become um how do you think that that those messages and those um, themes and sto- and this storyline is relevant to 2019 to the way that we live as women in 2019 so I'm curious what how you think this story applies to a modern sure I just want to do one clarification yeah. uh, Dr. Sloper doesn't forbid Catherine from marrying Morris because of the time period. In fact, mm. as a lovely juxtaposition, his sister, Elizabeth Allman, in discussing her daughter, Marion, and her choice to marry Arthur Townsend, the cousin of Morris, Elizabeth says it was her choice. She wanted mm. him. So uh, this isn't uh, so much about the time period as much as this is about the extraordinary circumstance that these characters are in. Dr. Sloper does not have love in his life. His love was snatched from him when Catherine was born. You know, is that part of why he can't allow others to love? Um, And he is indeed suspicious about Morris and his intentions. Is he mercenary? Catherine will get 30,000 a year, which in today's terms is like 900,000 a year once he dies, once the doctor dies. And, um, And he is suspicious of Morris because of his own background. But to get to your question about a 2019 audience, you know, we're living in a time period of reclamation. The Me Too movement is about reclaiming um, safe places in the work environment. Black Lives Matter is also about reclaiming safe spaces. White supremacy is about reclaiming a superiority. Left, right, and center, we are in a time where people are reclaiming what they believe has been stolen from them. And um, so too these characters are doing that. And while our story is focused at the micro level, um, the domestic sphere, the tender sphere of the heart, um, the choices that Catherine makes ultimately, the choice she makes ultimately, is still quite revolutionary, if only revolutionary in the sphere of the heart, as opposed to the sphere of the macro, which we are, uh, you know, Me Too and Black Lives Matter are are about today. So is it true that this will be your first time directing in The Fitch Handler? In The Fitch Handler, yes. I've directed and acted in The Round before. This is the first time in the glorious Fitch Handler stage. And how are you feeling about that? Oh, it's a healthy combination of excitement, optimism, and fear. (laughs) So... (laughs) um, But also, there's a certain freedom in the staging uh, when working in the round. There is something quite free to be working three-dimensionally uh, for the actor. In some ways, we all we often have to remind ourselves that um, there's audience all, all around, and so you don't have to open up as if you were on a proscenium mm-hmm. stage. Um, but you do have to act from all uh, corners or all degrees in the sphere surrounding your, your body. Uh, which our delightful, exquisite cast is is doing already and um, and very much up to this challenge. So moving into working with your design team, are there any elements that you're super excited to bring to the to the space? it's a it's a remarkable design team. Uh, all award-winning artists, and quite wonderfully, it happens to be 
an all-female multiracial design team, quite appropriate for a play about a woman finding her voice. Each of these designers have created something beautiful and delightful and joyful. Probably the, the thing that will catch most people's eye is the costume design. Ivania Stack is our costume designer, and her level of research and detail is amazing, and yet she's also uh, imbued the design with tremendous creativity and imagination. If you just watch the dresses that Catherine wears, you'll see how um, Ivania has traced the dramaturgical development of Catherine with her costume changes. She starts off in this very famous, since it's mentioned in the play, cherry red dress that overwhelms her. It's right for the period, but it is the dress is wearing her. It's not a dress that she embodies authentic, authentically. But you get to the end of the play when Catherine's father has passed away and she is fully in her authenticity and gone is the the petticoats and the crinoline, and she's wearing a very freeing, still period, with hints of 2019 dress that allows her her freedom. It's really interesting to hear the the amount of care that is taken in something. You know, costumes, everyone sees them, right? We all are aware of costuming in the theater. But and and sometimes we can pick up on those like subtle pieces of well this is in this scene because of this but I I think that will it'll be that much less subtle but in like a really beautiful way mm-hmm. in this production yeah and huge kudos to our costume department headed by Joe Silasevich they you know it's one thing to have a great design it's another thing to have a costume department that can fully execute it in such a beautiful way and with great detail. Joe came into our rehearsal room with Sierra this last week to do a costume and manners workshop with our cast. Uh, He talked about the um, history of the cashmere shawl as it's connected to colonialism and fashion. (laughs) And, uh, And Sierra also gave us a terrific manual of manners uh, for how women and men welcomed each other, greeted each other, sat, uh, walked in this time period, what was appropriate, what wasn't in, in 1850. All of which is so useful because our characters do break the rules, and so it's exciting to know what rule you are breaking. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Thank, thank you, you so much. Yeah, thank you. Uh, my name's Laura C. Harris, and I play Catherine Slover. And I'm Jonathan David Martin, and I play Morris Townsend. So while Catherine and Morris are both from the mid-19th century, the audiences may not know much about this time period. So how do you think these characters will connect with people from today? Do, would you care to sure. start? I'll, Go I'll, ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think the... Um, situations that our two characters in particular find themselves in is really relatable today and that in some part it's a conflict between um, you know generations and you know we, there's conflict with um, the sort of parents generation and you know the our two characters kind of wanting to go one way with things and the older generation saying that's not how things are done that's not the status quo and so I think it's really relatable in um, 
seeing people who maybe don't come from, at least from my character's point of view, coming from the right class or, or have the right station or fit the right stereotype and how they try to maneuver themselves uh, through the status quo and the difficulties they face. For my character's story of her coming into her own, um, and that journey looks very different, but the essence of what that is to uh, figure out who you are as a person independent from your parents or your family is universal. And in addition, I think it's as performers, you know, we have to find our sort of emotional way into characters no matter what time period the characters are in. And the good news is that some things just don't change in that regard. Um, You know, there's a significant love story here. There's, um, you know, everyone has their wants and needs and desires and shames and uh, tragedies, et cetera, et cetera, um, that we can access and that an audience is able to access because those things are universal across time. Will Arena's production tell this story differently in the modern era? Do you find that in rehearsal you're looking at things differently um, in today's society? Yeah, I I think that question is so fascinating because I I realized that I think it would be impossible for us not to in the sense Mm. that that for us in the rehearsal room, as for the audience, we can't help but come at it with our now 2019 sensibility um, about the stories that are here, and we're constantly finding uh, ways that it's relevant to now. Um, Seema you know, talks a lot about uh, one of the words for her about this production is reclaiming, and I think you know it, that's a word that resonates with all the characters in the play. Um, and it certainly resonates so much with what's happening now and watching how um, different individuals, groups, um, communities are struggling to reclaim something um, that they feel is very important to them. And, um, yeah, I, I think one of the beautiful things about this piece and what makes it so timely and timeless is that theme. So one of the... A way that we as humans, as we... Um, sort of come of age, figure out who we are is to look around us and see who who is similar, what is like, and what is different and unlike. And I I think that's something that we've been doing in rehearsal and that the audience will surely be doing a lot of is, you know, what do I recognize here as familiar and what feels foreign? And a lot of that does have to do with just the culture and climate of what is going on today. And so it is sort of inevitable that this will be a production of this time, but at the same token we're not we're not trying to modernize it. We're trying to do a faithful, you know, period piece. But the way it's striking us in the room as we work on it and the way that we know it's going to maybe sound to audiences of today, that's sort of inevitable. And it just makes me think of one other thing, which is um, the show actually deals a lot with preconceptions and about putting people in boxes. And I think we're at this really interesting time socially where um, we're wrangling with labels and how we talk about people and how we put them into boxes. And I think what's exciting for an audience is that they're going to come see this play and they're going to start to form a picture. Ah, that person's the good guy, that person's the bad guy, that's what's going on with that person, I get who they're about. 
And the play is so wonderful because it has lots of twists and turns as it goes through. And by the end of the play, audiences will come away with a very different label, idea, uh, image of the characters from what they had at the beginning of the play. And hopefully they'll have very different ideas from one another. And mm. people will come out saying, oh, I th- you know, thought Morris was like this. And, and some people will be like, no, no, I, th- I didn't think so. And they'll argue about, you know, that hopefully there'll be a lot to chew over about where the allegiances lie between the characters and also f- for the audience. And hopefully that it's muddy in, the, in a good sense, in the sense that it's not, it's not easy, um, which I think is something that right now is really useful for us as a society to go, oh, yeah, things aren't as black and white as we would like them to be a lot of times or, you know, as they seem from headlines or from news or the debates that happen in the political level. I think it'll be interesting. Something I've noticed about my character in particular is there's a lot of talk of, uh, around feminism and how it relates to this play because there is a central female character at a time where women were not treated as equal citizens to their male counterparts. And it's been really interesting already, even just personally, to try to wrap my head around how she is sort of revolutionary for the time, but also how compared to today, she is not because, again, it was, you know, many, many years ago. So I do think that's an interesting... It's going to be interesting to sort of chew on with audience afterwards and kind of once we've figured it out of where she is far ahead of her time and also how and where she lags behind and how that ends up sitting with an audience who might expect a lot more from her watching it with a modern gaze. So you kind of started touching on this, but as you work through the play, as you work through the rehearsal process, what has that been like? How has it been working with Seema? How are you diving into this play and getting it ready? (laughs) (laughs) There's so, I will start by saying it's been friggin' awesome. And I have, I mean, it's been fascinating. I'm not sure that I have ever before had such a comprehensive approach to material, you know, where almost a week and a half in, there has not been a single day yet correct me if I'm wrong, that has just been front to back. We are going to go in and work on staging these 10 pages. I'm in costume fittings. We're in vocal sessions with our wonderful vocal coach who is not only working with dialect but also working with us on the emotional, you know, how our emotions and the storytelling comes through in the vocal work and how the vocal work can support the size of the Fitch Handler space once we're eventually in there. I've been up and moving with her and doing body stuff too. And then there's, you know, we had folks from the costume department in to do an hour about the history of the clothes and sort of, we didn't even have time to get into all of the manners and, you know, that sort of style stuff that we wanted to get into. So that's my first, in, you know, in terms of rehearsal process, that's my first thought. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo that and, um, you know, add that the, what, one of the things that's most enjoyable for me in the rehearsal room are the really smart questions mm. that everybody's asking, um, you know, and in particular Seema's, um, one of the things that makes her such a wonderful director to work with is that, um, 
she's very curious in a very inviting and collaborative way. So she comes in with proposals and ideas, but it's very much like, um, kind of like a scientist in a lab. Like, hey, let's try this. Let's propose this hypothesis for this moment and what's going on here, Why you're, what makes you move across the stage. And that's a wonderful place to be in as a, as a performer because it feels very playful and it feels very exploratory. Um, and so there's never a feeling, even though we're existing in the world of a play where it's all about characters trying to fit in in a very precise way, that we as actors have an intense amount of freedom. It's making the process wonderfully and enjoyable and um, and empowering. Um, and also, one one thing that really struck me with this process was um, Molly Smith taking us on a mm. tour around the the building to introduce us a bit to the history of Arena Stage. Some of what I some of which I knew, a lot of which was new to me, and about the renovation of actual space, the architecture itself, which was mind-blowing. And it felt like such a generous gesture and also one that made me feel like I'm not just somebody who's kind of coming in and doing a show here, but that while I'm here working on the show, this is really my home, and it is a home, and there's so much care and thought and generosity put into it by how it's created by the people like you guys <laughs> that are that are filling it. And that, that makes the the process really exciting in a way that, I've never experienced before. Just to add that we also spent that, we spent two hours doing the, all the staff coming in and introducing and saying who they are and, you know, what types of interactions we'll be having in the future and getting instructed on how to safely use the kitchen. Arena obviously is very proud of the environment that exists here and wants everyone to have a good experience as a part of this community. Molly and Seema both have a standing tradition of doing this improv exercise, sort of improving a seminal moment from your character's life that doesn't happen on stage. And you can, you know, you can use one prop and you can use music if you want, you can use words if you want. And otherwise, you sort of have unlimited creativity, and then you all just come in and perform. And I learned so much watching everyone else's, you know, what they, this is the thing that's important to my character. Or people just being so flipping creative. I mean, talk about being inspired by being around super smart people just in in the same space. It's really exciting. And we also did the intimacy workshop. And in terms of Seema wanting to facilitate exploration um, and not shutting down sort of learning and new ideas, turns out she does that for herself as well so that she had learned on another recent process a sort of from um, an intimacy choreographer ways to codify the creation of intimacy in a staged way just as you would with fight choreography there's intimacy choreography which was really and she encouraged us part of what she said was and you guys can now take this forward outside of this room into other processes or other auditions to sort of help help it permeate the culture since it's still a fairly new process and that's just exciting actually to go back to your previous question about how how does our production relate to today that's mm. a really tangible way mm-hmm. that we're finding ways as artists to be more even more specific with the moments in the play that 
you know, even five years ago, we wouldn't think of in the same way. But because of where our culture is at now, we're taking the opportunity to go, oh, yeah, we can be as specific as artists about these moments of intimacy in the same way that we've traditionally been about fight choreography. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's, like, that's really exciting. One, our, one of our last questions was to talk about what you wanted the audience to come away with, which is a kind of basic question. Yeah. And you did touch upon it when you um, were talking about the creating the dialogue. Um, but are there any last notes about that or about the show? Or, or what questions you want people to be asking while they're leaving? Yeah. Oh, I really want them just to come out and go, boy, that Morris is a really good guy. You stole my joke. Boy, he's really great. <laughs> Oh, gosh, he's so wonderful. I'd love to just, you know, go out to dinner with him. He's Maybe fantastic. Maybe we should take a poll. We'll stand yeah. outside say, do yeah. you like him? I mean, are you it, nervous? It would be. Feel? There's no way to quantify these things ultimately, <laughs> right? But, like, it would be fascinating. <laughs> and then I'm sitting over here wondering, like, I would have an opinion about the person who is so unequivocally on Mars's. Morris, <laughs> trying to learn how to say it in the dialect, um, unequivocally on Morris's side to have no... That's how complicated yeah. and even it's been hard. Ah, yeah. Oh, it's going to be interesting. I really want them... I, I want them leaving the, the show having more questions than answers. Because mm. I think that leads to more interesting conversation. Yes. And then the challenge will... I mean, I certainly view as one of my main challenges in the next few weeks because it is a piece that begs so many questions front to back that is not just true for the audience. That is true for us, too. I am a pile of questions. We have to define for ourselves answers in order for something to potentially be ambiguous in the end, which is an interesting but productive task. Thank you so much Thank you. for Thanks, coming to talk to us pleasure. today. Our pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Arena on Air. As always, get in touch with us on social media using the hashtag Arena on Air. We'd love to hear what you guys would like to listen to on future podcasts. We are getting to the end of our season and we want to know what you want to listen to. Thanks for tuning in.